Welcome to the Terrawatt Space Podcast. This is Arvind. In this podcast, I attempt to demystify the developments in space tech by interviewing thought leaders, analysts, and investors in the space industry. Today, I'm speaking with Luigi Scatea, who is a partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers, or PwC, within its space practice. It's a special episode because I used to work within the space practice myself up until last summer, meaning I'm going to be interviewing my ex-boss. Luigi and I discuss how space policy is set up in Europe with institutions like the European Space Agency and the European Commission. We then move on to discussing the Earth observation market, the Copernicus program and its applications for the European Green Deal. We also talk about how to improve the uptake of Earth observation data and the role of professional services firms such as PwC in bringing satellite data to different sectors. And now on to the episode. Sit back and enjoy. Luigi's amusing Italian accent. Hi Luigi, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Brilliant. So the first question that I usually start with is asking guests to describe their story and um you have, you know, a very interesting story. So it'd be nice if you can tell the listeners your story and what you do. Absolutely. Uh, so as much as I would like to uh, say that um, I pursued the space career because I was uh, attracted to space since I was a kid, that's probably not true because in the end I uh, ended up working in space almost by chance. Um, you know, I was a researcher and I was uh, working in advanced materials and actually I did my PhD uh, with the Italian Aerospace Research Center. So I started working uh, on uh, uh, technologies for space reentry at that time, and that was my first contact with space. Uh, then I started attending uh, conferences, so I went to the IAC uh, a long time ago. Um, I think it was 2003. Uh, I think my first IAC in in Bremen. Uh, actually, it was also the first IAC where I saw a, a stand of a, a boot of a certain company called SpaceX. And uh, and then uh, after that, I mean, I was uh, was sort of hooked. So I, uh, I also did uh, the International Space University, and since then I've been um, very involved within the space sector, and I've decided to build my career in uh, in the space sector. Um, so I started, as I said, more on the on the technical side, but then uh, at one point I wanted to um, sort of expand. Uh, my horizon, you know, look a little bit more at the, at the big picture, and so I uh, I did an MBA and uh, I switched uh, to um, to strategy consulting, and I joined um, a company, a consulting company uh, that was called Boots and Company. It was a strategy consulting company with a strong heritage in uh, in aerospace and defense, uh, originating from uh, Boots Allen Hamilton uh, that still exists in the US. And so I moved over to Amsterdam uh, to join a team that was dedicated to uh, consulting in the, in the space sector. And then uh, at one point, Boots was, uh, was acquired by, uh, by PwC and it became uh, a strategy end, the strategy arm of, of PwC. And as a result of that acquisition, there was uh, an opportunity to um, consolidate the, the space consulting activities uh, within PwC in Paris. So I moved over with a bunch of other uh, people from the from the old boots team, and we um, 
we sort of consolidated a dedicated expert team um, working on strategy and policy matters in, in space in Paris. So since then, uh, the team has, uh, has also branched out uh, in Toulouse and it has uh, gained uh, some additional expertise uh, that have to do a little bit more with, uh, with technical, uh, uh, the technical side of uh, uh, space exploitation of space data. And, um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's where I ended up where I am. Um, so right now we have this, uh, this team that serves uh, the, the exclusively, almost exclusively the space market. And uh, uh, we also act as a, as a reference uh, sort of a hub or center of excellence for the PwC network when it comes to, uh, to space matters, basically. So, um, yeah, I mean, in the end, it's a, it's a little bit of a peculiar story because uh, our team is not what you would always, uh, what you would typically, uh, typically find in a company like PwC, where, uh, where you don't normally have this, this level of uh, specialization in terms of subject matter expertise. Um, but um, we find that there is merit and value in, in being in a, in a large company with uh, uh, like PwC, with with a team like our team. Absolutely, yeah. No, it it seems uh, it seems quite interesting because when people think about PwC, you know, they don't really associate that with space or anything to do with what the space industry does. Um, so, what does this PwC space practice actually offer? So, do you who are your clients? Who do you work with? And what are the types of offers do you have? Absolutely. In the end, we, we got that a lot, you know, especially at the beginning, like what's PwC doing uh, uh, in space? Why are you attending a space event or, or stuff like that? So it's a very uh, legitimate question. Um, so as I said, we have a, um, a team that is dedicated to strategy and policy consulting in space. So we work on um, assignments for uh, uh, the, the private sector that are uh, uh, like classic strategy assignments. So we support on, on market entry strategies, on business modeling. Uh, we do uh, commercial due diligence and other uh, support to deals and acquisitions um, and uh, uh, market assessments and so on. We work with the institutional uh, customers. So these are uh, like uh, large international organizations like uh, the, the European Space Agency or um, the European Commission or the GSA or uh, um, national space agencies or uh, other government bodies. And here we support uh, mostly on space policy, on, uh, on regulatory matters or uh, um, delivering uh, um, economic studies. So there is a large interest from uh, institutional customers in assessing the economic impact of investing into space in order to justify the, um, the, the investment and to uh, communicate and, uh, and present the value uh, to the general public and to other stakeholders within the country. So this is a quite important, uh, very important activity that we do. And uh, we also do uh, regulatory impact assessments, assessing the impacts of specific regulations and policies, as well as uh, actual regulatory support, even uh, supporting, for example, emerging space nations in drafting space regulations and procedures and so on. Um, finally, as I said, we, um, we developed a strong interest in the, um, let's say, uh, 
in the broad exploitation of um, space uh, data, because in the end we studied the, the market for space data quite extensively. And uh, um, we sort of have a, a natural uh, uh, outreach into a number of non-space downstream industries, thanks to the, the very nature of PwC as a, as a large professional services company. And so in the end, uh, we built uh, an offer that sort of uh, aims at um, bridging the gap between, uh, uh, say, the offer of space data and analytics and uh, the needs of the broader uh, downstream markets. So we, uh, we support uh, companies by providing capacity building services uh, so that they can uh, onboard uh, space data into their data processes uh, you know, in, in data fusion or automated analytic fashion in order to, um, let's say, to, uh, to bring uh, to these companies additional uh, value from insights that can be extract, uh, extracted uh, from space. Um, I guess this covers more or less what, uh, what we do. And as I said, we... Um, we act as a, as a sort of a global team. So we have uh, uh, points of contacts uh, uh, in all major territories uh, and major uh, spacefaring countries. And uh, of course, uh, local teams that also work on, uh, on space matters in all major territories in the US, in India, in Japan, uh, in Australia, and so on. Absolutely, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I'll come to the space data exploitation bit in uh, in some time and uh, just to quickly get into the the role of europe and what's going on in europe it seems like as you mentioned earlier the institutional programs and what the space policy is defined has a huge impact on what uh, technologies are being developed and what kind of missions are being developed so what is going on with Europe in general? Because uh, for listeners who don't know, you know, they, you know, they probably heard about the European Space Agency and then they probably heard about the European Commission. So what is actually going on also from a, from a policy perspective in Europe? Yeah, I guess what's uh, indeed what's important to, to stress for, uh, I mean, if there is anybody listening that, that is not familiar with, uh, with the way... Uh, the European space policy environment is actually um, sort of uh, structured. It's important to mention that in Europe, we have uh, um, uh, a European space agency, which is an intergovernmental organization uh, um, composed of uh, several countries uh, based in Europe, plus some uh, associate states, even an associate state that is, not, uh, uh, that is not within Europe, like Canada. And then uh, uh, in Europe, there's also the European Union, of course, and the European Commission uh, with a mandate on, on space. And uh, um, the European Commission, uh, uh, sorry, the European Space Agency is not an agency of the European Union. So, uh, this creates a sort of a complex uh, uh, environment, as you can imagine, because, of course, uh, then uh, this means in Europe you have uh, European Union space programs and European space agency uh, programs and initiatives. And those two uh, are not the same, uh, even though ESA uh, handles, I mean, ESA handles some, uh, some tasks and manages mm -hmm. some programs for the European Commission. 
so there is some uh, let's say there is of course interaction between uh, between the two and there is uh, there is some superposition into their scope and their activities but there still are uh, two separate um, organizations with uh, with different um, mandate scope and so on um, in europe there is also a european gnss agency which is uh, uh, an agency uh, tasked with the development of the, uh, the um, uh, downstream market for eGNSS, so for Galileo and EGNOS, which is, uh, uh, as per the, list, uh, the recent uh, regulation uh, approved at EU, uh, at the EU, going to become the EU Space Program Agency. So the GSA is going to increase its mandate increase the scope sorry and uh, it is going to take uh, to take care of all european uh, uh, union uh, uh, space programs uh, together with uh, with galileo as it is today so this sort of uh, if you want increases a little bit the uh, <laughs> the, the, the confusion within the the european uh, space policy environment for for somebody who doesn't know in europe you have uh, well the, the the european space agency has um, specific programs that are defined uh, uh, during like uh, during uh, ministerial conferences that, that are held uh, with all the, the member states of, uh, of ESA and ESA uh, uh, has programs that span uh, sort of uh, basic uh, space research and, and, and science and basic applications into uh, uh, programs uh, like launcher programs, uh, so for access to space and uh, um, other programs like uh, space situational awareness, uh, um, earth observation and so on, uh, or, or uh, satellite communication and so on. The European Union has, uh, uh, on the other end, uh, space flagship programs. So Copernicus for Earth observation, uh, Galileo for uh, Galileo and EGNOS uh, for uh, for navigation, and uh, GovSatcom, the GovSatcom initiative for uh, secure uh, uh, satellite communication for governmental purposes, and uh, they also have an initiative on uh, on SSA, and uh, they are launching other. Uh, other initiatives, uh, for example, dedicated to space traffic management and so on, uh, other than managing uh, basic space research within uh, the, the Horizon research framework. So overall, uh, I think you have uh, the broad um, European Union strategy, and then you have uh, the European Space Agency, on, let's say, uh, programs and, uh, and activities, which serves uh, the need of uh, of, of all the member states of ESA and of the development of the European industrial uh, pace and space. These two are in a sort of constant and continuous dialogue and they sort of converge towards uh, common and shared objectives because in the end, even if we are talking about two separate organizations, in the end, the, the environment in which they operate is driven by the same uh, sort of uh, broader interests and, uh, and, and objectives. So I guess this is uh, more or less in, in short. I don't know if I conveyed the, the message, but yeah, it's it's a complicated environment. <laughs> no, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it is seem, especially if one is not, uh, you know, aware of all the organization and, you know, the the programs and all that, it seems, yeah, it does seem a bit complicated, but what is 
what is anyway they have done you know very well is you know bringing their earth observation program which is one of their you know flagship programs and you know it's even one of the best in the world in terms of launching the sentinel constellation and all the other supporting missions um going to the earth observation market specifically it seems like there is a lot of data available from a lot of different sensors uh, both from you know institutions like the sentinel program the copernicus program as well as from companies so there are a lot of companies launching their own earth observation constellation it seems like there is a lot of supply more than demand of course you mentioned that demand comes in a lot from uh, military and for institutional purposes but is there really a market for earth observation today yeah this is a very very good point so indeed uh, um, i mean i have to say that you know I've, uh, I'm, I'm particularly invested into into this uh, specific topic because uh, you know i think five years ago uh, i i visited uh, within one of uh, our assignments i visited digital globe in uh, in colorado at that time they were just setting up uh, um, their uh, their platform gpdx uh, you know to um, like sort of pioneer this new way of going going to market with satellite uh, imaging data with their uh, with their data and their archive so i saw a demonstration on the platform i saw what um, you know they were uh, sort of uh, um, suggesting it could be done on a platform like that you know building uh, say, uh, extracting um, intelligence from satellite data in multiple ways. And, you know, I get I got back like mind blown. I was like, wow, this is going to revolutionize um, the way we, uh, we actually exploit uh, satellite data is going to make it completely mainstream. Everybody's going to use it. We need to bring this into a, a strategy consulting, you know, and do strategy consulting assignments uh, uh, based on uh, on the uh, on the analysis of satellite data and so on to extract insights. Um, five years later, of course, um, a lot of those uh, uh, promises were, uh, were actually um, not fully realized. And I guess this uh, comes down to a number of factors. So on one side, there is um, there is a, there is a sort of market disconnect, you know, because you have the technology push, as you mentioned, you have a lot of uh, data and uh, and analytics, uh, brilliant analytics uh, from uh, brilliant companies being pushed into the market to, um, let's say, um, non-space, non-expert uh, uh, customers that don't necessarily uh, approach it with the right mindset, you know, because I guess the right mindset is not, oh yeah, show me the data and then, okay, let's see what I can do with it. But it's more the reverse. So like, okay, I have this type of problem. Can you do something about it? Is there, uh, is there, uh, let's say some sort of uh, product that sort of uh, can address my, uh, my need in this case? So it's more of a reverse, you know, there should be like a demand pool and analysis of, uh, pain points from uh, from customers uh, uh, translation into specific uh, requirements and then the build up of use cases and products and so on so this this should be the mindset so one one aspect is uh, is probably this one you know this this type of disconnect another aspect is also maybe due to the fact that uh, um, the new ways of going to market especially for um, you know data providers the new ways of going to market are not yet fully ironed out. 
So it doesn't seem like there is a, a way that works uh, to reach out these new customers when it comes to the, the type of pricing and, uh, and delivery model. In other words, I mean, it's still too expensive to procure a certain type of data. I mean, if you're not a large defense customer. And so I guess the, the, sum, the summation of these two points make it, uh, make it uh, a bit difficult to uh, realize, uh, I mean, to see, to see this broader, much broader exponential adoption of satellite data that we were um, sort of uh, expecting and, uh, and hoping uh, to, to see realized. Uh, in fact, what we see, you mentioned that the, the European Commission uh, did well uh, with, with Copernicus and, uh, and its open data policy. Um, indeed, uh, I mean, what we see is that, for example, there is there's a lot of interest from for the potential utilization uh, in a more uh, integrated and structured fashion of uh, earth observation data by financial institutions, uh, insurers, uh, notation agencies, and so on. And since the business case for, um, for using expensive uh, high resolution data is not there yet for them, uh, so all those guys, I mean, they're using a lot, they're playing a lot with, with open data, like the one from Copernicus. So I guess you can, uh, you can definitely say that um, from this perspective, uh, the, the, um, let's say the availability of such uh, a comprehensive uh, uh, volumes of uh, open data is playing a role in, the, uh, in raising the awareness about what you can do with satellites, building the interest of um, a larger, uh, larger portion of potential end users uh, somehow. Yeah, it seems like uh, the Earth observation data use cases seem to be very scientific and research oriented today. Uh, you mentioned there, you know, there's a potential uh, value in, you know, in consulting and probably for a few customers. Uh, what are some, you know, customers that you have uh, seen that have started using it or are thinking about using Earth observation data? Do you see any specific markets that are of more value uh, than others? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, indeed, as you say, uh, the main, uh, this is probably uh, connected to the two that I mentioned earlier, but indeed one of the issues uh, that we see right now is that the, the, uh, the is basically moving from the, uh, earth, from an earth observation science uh, approach or perspective to a more, uh, uh, utilization tailored approach somehow. So this means basically either having uh, either, either having like solutions that are specifically built and tailored to address specific needs. So it can be like the, the specific solution and so on, or it can be um, integrating or uh, make it making more usable Solutions that are that right now are uh, are not um, let's say geared for a broader and wider utilization. I don't know if I can um, express uh, if I express that in the in, in a in a clear way. But what I mean is that, for example, uh, in many cases we see uh, like a lot of um, projects done at institutional level that generate brilliant prototypes 
that then never transition into an operational uh, phase, into an utilization phase. So there is no attention for this last mile somehow, which is quite important because in the end, if you want it used and not sitting in a, in a server somewhere like uh, unutilized, I mean, you need to have this, uh, this last mile uh, developed. And, uh, and this, is something that we, this is something that we see really a lot. And we think there is a lot that can be done just by pursuing this last mile and transforming like the, the prototype, the proof of concept, the demonstrator into an actual operational tool. And uh, uh, so this is something that, um, that's, I mean, we have tried to do, for example, in a project that we have delivered uh, uh, just now. Well, I mean, it's uh, the, the, the final delivery is going to be soon, but we have, we have worked on a project on the agricultural sector. So it's the farm sustainability tool where basically uh, there is no real, uh, uh, I mean, there's nothing groundbreaking at, um, let's say, uh, uh, science or technology level behind it. Uh, but what is uh, what is really like uh, there is uh, is all the work on the on the overall architecture of the tool, into making it into, into something usable, integrated, and uh, um, deployable to everyone and to multiple stakeholder categories. So really, like the step to make it um, something that will get will be used afterwards. Then uh, uh, when it comes on the other end on the, on the need to change approach. So we have been uh, um, working with uh, clients uh, on different, uh, different types of um, verticals. So for example, we've been working with uh, clients in the oil and gas uh, uh, domain. Again, here the, the approach was not really um, like to develop real new use cases, but more to integrate better, like things that are already done uh, in a way that, um, because right now you have uh, within large uh, oil and gas companies, you have uh, maybe R&D teams that are uh, users of satellite data, but all of this is sort of disconnected from the broader uh, uh, company operations somehow. So the type of uh, service that we delivered was to sort of break this uh, sort of this silo and make it into something which is uh, useful in the day-to-day -day operations of the company. Um, on the other end, on uh, when it comes to financial services, there we see uh, we see also a need to to change the approach somehow. Because I mean, what what these people need is uh, um, sort of uh, is the is the underlying use of methodologies that are accepted and transparent. Because in the end, if they're going to use uh, earth observation based products for uh, um, applications that are uh, related, I don't know to. Uh, uh, risk assessment, uh, evidence-based monitoring of compliance, uh, uh, monitoring, uh, analysis, uh, prediction, and mitigation of impacts uh, of human activities on the quality of soil, uh, air, water, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they need all of these to be based on methodologies that are uh, accepted and transparent. Otherwise, they are not, uh, uh, they, they cannot, they will never adopt it. Broadly. 
because they will never be able to defend it. So this is uh, this this basically means that there is a need to uh, to build dedicated, really dedicated pro uh, products responding specifically to the uh, the needs of the financial sector operator in in a very punctual uh, way. Good. And um, what do you think is the role of Earth observation in in Europe, especially when we are looking at it from you know the European Green Deal? Because a lot has been talked about the potential of Earth observation data for use in sustainability for climate change for green transition etc but what is really going to be the value of earth observation data is there going to be any value because you know european green deal is across many sectors and earth observation data is just going to be a small part of it but is it going to be a part of it at all well i mean of, of, of course we expect uh, for sure that um that the overall green deal initiative is going to um, i mean it's going to require uh, advanced uh, i mean it's going to require some some sort of advanced applications um, in order for it to be implemented in many ways and many of these applications uh, well i mean some of these applications will be based on uh, on satellite data and uh, on copernicus data so satellite i mean a key case for uh, for the utilization of satellite data is towards uh, uh, environment and sustainability uh, so you can definitely see that uh, say that, uh, that the green deal is an obvious uh, recipient of the the potential of satellite data um, indeed you do have uh, uh, I, I don't want to say something which is not correct but i think there is a there is a part of the the green deal uh, uh, investment plan that is uh, expected to directly support the development of advanced uh, satellite based products and services so for sure i mean it is expected to play a, a significant role indeed if you I mean, we can already see, for example, if we look at the, the fast application that we have developed, in a way it is, uh, so the fast application is, uh, is designed, I mean, it's a farm sustainability tool, it's designed in order to promote uh, uh, more sustainable uh, utilization of nutrients and in general, more sustainable uh, farming and agriculture in Europe. And so this already uh, contributes to, uh, um, to the objectives of the Green Deal. So we can definitely expect um, multiple other applications that can serve the same, uh, the same scope. All right. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I wanted to end with the two uh, questions. Um, one is on, so what do you think we can do to, to push the adoption of Earth observation data? Because it seems like, uh, the future of the space industry is also dependent on how we use all the Earth observation data that we are collecting today. So, what can we do to to you know to make uh, Earth observation data used more? Uh, is is there a role that ESA can play and the European Commission can uh, play? And you know, what is the role of PwC as well in all this? Well, I mean, uh, I think you know the European Commission, uh, ESA, they are uh, uh, both involved. Uh, in uh, extensive uh, uh, communication uh, and outreach activities aimed at raising awareness and at connecting the dots so i think they are doing uh, uh, like really a lot in order to um, sort of uh, 
uh, you know, support uh, the, the, the uptake of, uh, of space data into, into the broader economy. So to be honest, I, um, I wouldn't assume to be able to tell them what to do more because I think they're really doing, a, they're really deploying a lot of effort from, uh, from that perspective. In our case, uh, um, like I think a company like us, um, well, uh, we are a sort of evangelists of, uh, of Earth observation data because we have a personal interest and, uh, um, and passion for, uh, for this. So whenever we can, we actually do um, perform outreach and uh, uh, raise awareness about uh, the solution that uh, the solutions that are based on uh, on the exploitation of virtual generation data that we can we we call insights from space um, and i think we i mean i think a company like us can really do a lot from this uh, from this point of view because really we are uh, um, we are a massive professional services company with uh, reach into virtually every downstream sector uh, with, with, uh, within every other non-space sector, uh, with uh, client relationships, with uh, client contacts, and with the um, possibility to, uh, to actually um, evangelize all those uh, sectors about the potential of space. And this is what we are actually doing uh, on a daily basis and by uh, advertising it with our network uh, and, and so on. And I think we are, uh, to be honest, we are seeing uh, uh, really like a, a huge level of interest and attention from multiple markets. It's just difficult to uh, sort of uh, uh, follow everything and realize everything because ultimately, I mean, we are uh, within the space practice a small part of, of PwC. And so we can't, uh, I mean, we can't do miracles and, and pursue everything. Uh, but we see a huge, a huge amount of interest. So I think companies like us can uh, and should do more. So we will strive to do more. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. So one last question. What are you most looking forward to in the space industry? Is there any, you know, technology or a trend uh, or anything that you're looking forward to the most in the next, uh, in the next five to 10 years? Um, well, I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm uh, I tend to try and monitor most of what goes on in the in the space sector. So there's a lot of stuff that actually <laughs> interests me in uh, in different ways. Um, so I guess I should answer that I'm very excited by uh, uh, space exploration and uh, uh, SpaceX or uh, Blue Origin or or whatever, which is true. I mean, of course. I want to see uh, uh, what these guys actually manage uh, to, to to do from that perspective, uh, like like everybody else. But at the same time, I have to say I'm really uh, interested in seeing how um, all this, uh, let's say, uh, um, permeation of space into non-space sectors actually. Um, comes to, to fruition in the next uh, 10, uh, five, 10 years. I think it's gonna be a pivotal uh, decade. So uh, either we see this uh, uh, really taking off uh, big time with, uh, with a big, uh, of course, uh, with a big effect on the, on the space sector as a whole, or we, we will have to see all our uh, ambitions and hopes a little bit uh, redimensioned. So I guess that's something I'm really following with, uh, with, with much interest. All right. Very good. 
Brilliant. So thanks. Thanks for being on the podcast, Luigi. It was a very nice discussion. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Hey, this is Arvind again. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the Tyrawatt Space Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, feel free to sign up for my newsletter, Terrawatch on Substack. That is terrawatch.substack.com, where I attempt to decode the recent developments in space tech and its impact on Earth. Thanks again, and hope to see you for the next episode.